We're continuing a series um, out of Colossians called Hidden Treasures. The book of Colossians, even though it's only four chapters long, it's jam-packed with all kinds of really, really amazing things, starting out with the, the sufficiency of Christ that he is all in all. And then it talks about who we are in him. And then it gives us kind of a pattern for how to live, the things that we need to get rid of in our lives, the things we need to add to our lives to be more blessed and more fulfilled. And now we're moving into a section here um, and we're talking about, it's called healthy relationships. So this will probably step on every single person's toes at some point today. Um, Anybody who's in relationships, so unless you're somebody that never ever has a relationship with people, you'll probably, at some point, the Holy Spirit will probably start to speak something to you. And, and to be honest with you, I, um, I've really been praying. Um, I know for those of you who've been believers for a really long time, you, you'll be like, oh, I've already heard this message. I already know what this is. Don't shut down. The Holy Spirit has something for each and every one of you. There's something that the Lord wants to speak to you about relationships and how to be fulfilled in them. And so I'm going to challenge you at the end. Um, we're going we're gonna to have a little contest and um, challenge you in your relationships. We're going to be talking about the home. We're going to be talking about work. Um, and I just want to say, you know, ultimately... The way that we treat other people is, is a direct reflection of not only how we think of ourselves, but also of what we believe about the Lord. Because really, if you think that each and every person was created in the image of God, they are all precious to God. And so the way that we treat them really is a reflection on that relationship with the Lord. And so today I'm hoping that you walk away challenged, but I also... My goal and my desire is to see that, you, that you're encouraged because the Bible, it says that it's, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So um, in that, can I just pray for you before we get into this? Let's just go before the Lord. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again so much that you have given us everything we need for life and for godliness, Lord. You've given us this pattern. You've, you've shown us how we can have healthy relationships, both in the home and at work and just among, among those that we come in contact with. And so I ask this morning, Holy Spirit, speak. Speak to each and every heart in here, Lord. I ask that you would um, just bring revelation Bring a deeper level of understanding of your ways and of the blessings that you have available for us. In Jesus' name. So you know what Jesus said about how we treat others, right? The golden rule, anybody know what the golden rule is? Do unto others as they've done unto you. <laughs> no, what does it really say? Do unto others as what? as you would have them do unto you. So basically treat other people the way that you expect to be treated. Now this goes so contrary to our society and our culture. And, and what we're going to talk about, the passage we're going to talk about today is completely different than our current culture. It was written in AD 60 by Paul, the apostle. He was actually in prison and he wrote this letter to the church at Colossae, um, he had never actually been there, so he didn't know the people, but, but typically the letter was read from beginning to end. So it was chapters one through four, which the numbers were not in there originally. But today we're just taking a little section 
and we're going to talk about healthy relationships. You know, I, I always say there are three, three kinds of trials that we go through other than just internal struggles and turmoil. But the three kinds of trials that we experience are finances. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Difficult. Going through financial hardship is, is rough. God can really, really increase your faith through that. The second kind of trial that we go through is health, right? I mean, when you're, when you're sick, it can, be, it can be really discouraging and really frustrating, right? I know there are several people now that are, that are struggling with health issues. That can be really hard. The third kind of trial is relationship trials, I don't know about you, but I would prefer a financial or, I'm not tempting you, I would prefer a financial or a health trial far and above relationship trials. And I know that people are different and I tend to be a very relational person. I tend to be really driven by relationships. That's, that's my thing. Um, but man, I'll tell you, God has given us so many cool things in this passage that we're going to read today. So I hope you won't shut down. And if you're single, I just want to talk to you for a minute here because you're probably going to check out when we get to the part about husbands and wives. I'd like to ask you not to because I think that you can always learn something from this. But I, you know, I, I really did have a, a revelation um, probably a year and a half ago that being a widow and being a single woman was actually a gift. And it was something to be embraced. It was something for me to take to heart. Because it talks in the Bible about those of us who are single, we can be used completely for the glory of God. That we're not going to be distracted by the things of this world like married people are. And I think that the church has really done a disservice to people who are single don't you think? Because we elevate marriage as though it were the only option when really, in fact, it's not. As a matter of fact, this passage um, in Corinthians, it talks about, you know what, don't, if you're single, don't seek a spouse. Don't seek to get married. You can trust God in this. But as long as you are single and when you are, your life can fully glorify God. You have the freedom to completely serve him unhindered. So I just want to encourage you, if you are single, I, I haven't forgotten about you. We'll get to you later here when we talk about employers and employees. But for now, just know that God has something for you in this season of your life. And that marriage, while it is, the Bible says it's a profound mystery, talking about Christ in the church. It's an amazing institution. Marriage is amazing. And, and God, it says marriage should be honored by all. And I do believe that. But I also know that married people get distracted by each other, by things of this world, by their children. All of these things are distractions. So single people, let's go for it, okay? Can I hear from the singles? Woo, yeah. All the single ladies. All the, okay, um, anyway. <laughs> um, Colossians 3, starting with verse 18. Okay, now don't stone me. I know this is the S word, but we're going there. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. 
Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at what? Whatever you do. Whatever you do, work willingly as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is who? Christ. He's the CEO. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done for God has no favorites. Um, The King James Version says God is no respecter of persons. Okay, uh, wives, you ready? Ready, wives? You're all super excited about this, right? Everybody's favorite passage. I have to confess, I struggled with this for a long, long time. I'm a, I have a strong personality, and I had a lot of emotional bondage and baggage that I brought into my marriage, so I really, really struggled with the whole idea of submission. I, I, I could not wrap my brain around how I could be chosen and called and a royal priesthood and a holy nation and a person belonging unto God and all these things and yet have to be subservient to another person. I, I could not understand that. It seemed, it seemed super unfair to me until a friend of mine told me one time, she said, you know, as women, we're called to submit to our husbands, which means simply to place yourself in order willingly. Okay? It's the word hupotasso, which means to line up. It's like, it's a military term, and it means to line up. You know, you have some who are... Um, generals and sergeants and corporals and all of these things, but there's an order. And in marriage, there's also an order. Now, men, I will get to you soon, so don't be elbowing your wife right here. See, during this time, when this was written in in, uh, AD 60, 60 AD, after Christ had died, this was written, and in this culture, wives were, well, women, let's, let's talk women in general. Women were, first of all, the property of their father. Then when they got married, they, they were essentially sold to a man who became their husband, and not just their husband, but he owned them. He, like, they became property, the husband's property. So in that particular culture, they had to obey, and, and they were very much second-class citizens. They were, they they had to just stay in their home. They, they were very rarely allowed to go out in public. It was a very, very um, uh, misogynistic culture. And you can ask someone on the way home what that word means. But it was a really, really negative culture for women. So here, Paul comes along and says, Wives, submit, hupotasso, willingly line up in order. Not like, you have to do this, but do this willingly. Put yourself in order, trusting that if, if something is to go wrong, you are not going to be the one responsible for it. That the man, the head of the house, is going to be responsible for it. And so as a, I was in college, I was a feminazi. And so this, I really struggled 
because I really, I could not understand why we didn't have equal footing. And then it was like the Holy Spirit showed me, and I really believe that it was a revelation of the Lord, that as believers, as Christians, we're all called to lay down our own agenda. We're all called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, it says in Ephesians 5.21. We're all called to submit. We're all called to prefer others, right? So I started to see this is really no different than, than what we're called to do as believers anyway, except that it is gender specific, that the Lord has specific roles within marriage. And so when my friend told me, she said, as wives, we are called to submit, but love is a much higher calling. See, as women, we don't have to be told to love our husbands. We, ha- we have to be told, don't try to control your husband. Because that's part of our curse as women. Do you know that? Any of you struggle with that? How many, well, no, don't raise your hand because then you'll... Okay, just confess it later if you need to. <clears throat> As women, we want to control. We want to be in charge, right? You know the, the whole, you hear of the hen-pecked woman or hen, hen-pecked husband, right? So there was a line um, in heaven and there was a huge line and it was all these, these men and it was the hen-pecked husbands and then there was one guy standing in the line that said non-hen-pecked husbands. And all the guys are like, what did you do? What's different about you? He goes, I don't know. My wife just told me to stand here. (laughs) Okay. So as I mentioned, I'm a strong personality. I'm I'm gifted. I have a gift of leadership. It's a spiritual gift. It's not something that, that I have worked for or earned or anything. It's just, it's how God made me. So to be married, and my husband had a very big personality, very strong personality. So for me to think about having to, to submit to him was, was a stretch until I realized that as long as I was in the driver's seat, we were going to be in trouble. All I had to do is I had to go move over into the passenger seat symbolically speaking, because I, he actually liked it when I drove, and I liked it better too, because when he drove, he was so unifocused that he couldn't carry on a conversation. So it was always better when, when I drove, but, um, but symbolically speaking, if, you, if the wife moves out of the driver's seat of the family, so to speak, and is in the, in the passenger side, if your husband takes you into the ditch, your air, airbag will deploy, and you'll be Okay. You see, the responsibility, this is the thing. Husbands, we're going to move on to this. Um, they're called to love, which is the highest calling. And we'll get into that in a minute. But remember, in, in Genesis 3, when it's talking about the curse, it says, it says um, that Eve, it says, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, the word desire is not physical or sexual desire, what it is, is the desire to control. The same desire that it said that when Cain killed Abel, it said, you know, sin is crouching at your door. It's that same to control, to snuff out. And the more out of control I was, personally, the more that I wanted to control my surroundings. Anybody with me on this? Don't you know when you're feeling out of control emotionally, you go nuts because your house isn't clean or, you know, whatever, right? Right? It's like there's something about us that when we're out of control emotionally, we want to control the external. 
but the thing is that the Lord has called us to live in peace. And part of wives putting themselves under the covering of their husbands. And now I want to give you the sin clause. If your husband is ever asking you to do something that dishonors the Lord or is sinful, you are exempt. You serve God. It says, submit unto the Lord. It says, submit to your husbands as is fitting. Okay? So this means that if, there's, if he's asking you to do stuff that's illegal or sinful, you're, you're exempt from that. Okay? That's clear, right? That's kind of obvious. God would never say, oh yeah, go ahead and sin. That's not the way of the Lord. There was a, a county commissioner um, in Chicago and he and his wife were walking on the street and they looked up and they saw her um, high school boyfriend was working construction. And he looks at her and he goes, aren't you so glad you didn't marry him? If you would have married him, you'd now be married to a construction worker. And she goes, no, I wouldn't. If I would have married him, he would have been the county commissioner. <laughs> to submit. I mean, you, hear, you know the saying, behind every great man is what? A great woman. <laughs> right? As women, we have so much power to completely tear our husbands down. We have... We have so much power to make him feel like he's worthless. When in fact, our job as we submit means to move him into the place where God has created him to be. It means that we need to be able to see who he's called to be and do what we can to move him into that role and to be his biggest cheerleader, his biggest encourager, the person that knows him, okay? We are not called to nag. I mean, I, I just think it's, I think it's funny. All through the Proverbs, it talks about the nagging wife. You know, it's better to live on the corner of a roof than to live with a nagging and controlling wife, right? So quiet in here. <laughs> I mean, for some reason, I don't know why that has to be a gender specific thing, but women are much more, maybe it's because Typically, women are more verbal, but we want to control. We want to nag, and we think somehow with our many words, we're going to change his decisions, but that's not how it works. We are called, you know, it says, it says that when God created woman, she was to be a helper suitable for, for her husband, Adam, okay? Eve was a helper, but now this doesn't mean that, that her whole life is just taken up with just helping him out, like she's just like kind of second rate. This is the same word for helper that, is, that the Lord is described as our helper. He, it's the same word. It's the azer. It means that we are supposed to come along and help our husbands to become everything God created them to be. That is our job. And if that's not what you're doing, then Jesus says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He will give you the ability to do it. It's just a matter of twisting things in your head, turning it around. That's what repent means, to rethink it, to think a different way. Okay, moving on. Was that enough, women? Is that enough? You want me to keep going? Oh, honey, I can. I can keep talking about this. I'll just, I'll end the section on wives with this. When I finally stopped fighting, when I finally said, you know what? 
I'm going to do this unto the Lord. I'm going to submit to my husband as unto the Lord. When I finally decided to do that, guess what happened in my marriage? My marriage was so much more peaceful. My marriage became so much more fulfilling. I could appreciate him more. He, he, he changed. He became more attentive. I mean, it's so awesome. God's ways are always filled with blessings. You know, it says that, it says, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demand of his covenant. And this is one of the demands of his covenant, is that if you are married and you are a woman, you will submit. Again, not to do sinful things, but because we're all called to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We are all called to lay down our lives for the sake of our friends, right? Okay, hubbies, your turn. Ready? Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. That is not a perfect translation. It's part of it. Okay, let's go back. Husbands, love. The word love, so there, there are the four kinds of love. As you know, in the original language, there's storge, which is like familial love. So obviously husbands and wives are in a family, so they love each other that way. There's philios, which means like friendship type love, which your spouse should be your very best friend. And, and I just want to say this. If you aren't still working on your marriage, now is a great time to start. Start doing date nights. Start focusing. Start spending time every single day talking to each other, going deep with each other. Let, let your spouse in. You know, women, I'm back in the women again, but <laughs> don't close your heart up. Don't close your heart off from your husband. Okay? He's doing the best he can. Just trust the Lord. Your first ministry is to be on your knees praying for him. Remember, you might be the only person on the face of the earth who actually prays for him. It's pretty convicting, huh? Okay, so back to husbands. So the kinds of love, storge, which is family love, familial love, philios, which is friendship, eros, which is sexual love or romantic love. That's obviously an important part of marriage, okay? So what's the fourth kind? Agape, which means unconditional. Guess which one this is talking about. This is agape love. Like my friend told me, men, husbands are called to lay down their lives for their wife. They are, for their wife, singular. They are called, (laughs) to clarify. (laughs) Okay. When in Utah. Okay, so um, <laughs> Eric always used to say that. See, honey, it says husbands love your wives. <laughs> uh, I was like, no. <laughs> okay, um, the original text here is don't be bitter with them. It, it's not really don't treat them harshly. Yes, that's part of it. But you see this situation where maybe the guy, maybe she just nags him, n- nags you or, you know, just nags the the husband mercilessly, right? And he just gets a hardened heart, becomes bitter toward her. You know, it's like you see it on all the sitcoms, all the TV shows and movies, 
You know, the husband just can't even stand his wife. How tragic. It's so tragic. You know, I have a dear friend, some dear friends, and they have the sweetest marriage. They, I mean, absolutely, they are like giddy. They've been married over 30 years, and they're so cute and so sweet to each other. And he told me one time, he said, my goal in life is to make my wife the happiest woman on the face of the earth. All the women are like, oh. All the guys are like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> but most women just want, want to be known. They just want you to listen. You know, turn off, maybe turn off Sports Center for a little while. Have a conversation. Oh, as a guy said that, okay, cool. <laughs> but this is agape love. This is the highest form of love. This is, this is the kind of love that really only the Holy Spirit can do. But husbands, you're called to love your wives so much so that you give yourself up for her. So it's not like wives submit, husbands do whatever you want. It's not like that. It's equal. Do you see this? Are you guys seeing this? No, you're not seeing it? <laughs> Are you just messing with me? It's an equal thing. And I'm not saying equal as in the same. I'm saying they're both just as important, but they are gender specific. Husbands are called to lay down their lives for the sake of their bride. And, and Eric told me that when we were dating, when he first read Ephesians chapter five, where it talks about this. And it says, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He said, he said, babe, I realize that doesn't just mean stepping in front of a bullet one time, but it means every single day to lay down my life for you. And imagine, men, imagine, if you treated your wife like that, if you made it your goal in life to make her the happiest woman on the face of the earth, to do her good all the days of her life, don't you think she might respond a little more warmly to maybe some of your advances? <laughs> or just to your personality? Maybe she wouldn't close down? See, see, men are called to lay down their life for the sake of their wife. Um. Also, I want to say this too. If you have children, men, the best gift you can give your children is to love their mom. Kids are looking for that security. They are looking to see that mommy and daddy love each other. And men, when you lay down your life, your sons are watching you. Your boys are watching how you treat their mommy. And if you're treating, if you're bitter against her, or you're harsh, or you make like rude comments, or you just completely ignore her or disdain her, your boys are watching. Because that is their mom. It's a big deal. And guess what? Your boys will grow up, and that is how they will treat someone else's daughter. You don't want that. You know, most men, it's like most men are kind of hunters, and so they start out their relationship pursuing and pursuing and doing anything, you know, bringing her gifts and, and you know, I, I don't know if I should tell, never mind. <laughs> I have a really funny joke, but I'll have to tell you later. <clears throat> 
But most men start out like really eagerly trying to win her over, trying to win her affection, you know? And then suddenly they get married and little by little by little, they just stop trying. So then what happens is they stop trying. So then the wife starts to close off her heart. So the more she closes off her heart, then the more she probably starts nagging or controlling or just checking out. So then there's this chasm that's built in the marriage. Okay, I want to offer you hope now. It's not too late. I'm going to challenge you later as I'm speaking. I'm going to challenge you. It's not too late. You can change. You can start today. The Lord has given you everything you need for life and godliness. He's given you everything you need to know how to do unto others as, he, as you want them to do unto you. Um, you know, I was telling you about my friends who have this sweet, sweet marriage. So he, he said it was his goal in life to make her the happiest woman on the face of the earth. So guess how she responds to him. You can imagine She is crazy about him. She absolutely, I mean, when I see them look at each other, it's so sweet. And I really believe that that is what marriage is supposed to look like, is that he lays down his life for her. He does whatever he can to to show how much he loves her. And she responds and they have this sweet marriage. So it's possible. You haven't gone too far. There's a marriage seminar coming up on Saturday, right? I want to encourage you. No matter where you are in your marriage, whether you're, you're newly married and just trying to figure things out or whether you've been married for 25 years or if you're struggling in your marriage, I just strongly encourage you to go. Robbie Booth, he, first of all, is not hypocritical because he has an amazing marriage and his wife is an amazing woman of God, largely due to the fact that he has laid down his life for her. And she, in turn, has laid down her life for him. It's so beautiful. So he has a lot to say about marriage. Also, he, is, um, he has a resume like a mile long. He's a, he's a skilled and a gifted and anointed counselor. So, okay, moving on to verse 20. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. What, it doesn't say here, children, obey your parents if you feel like it. Or it doesn't say, children, obey your parents if you think they're right. Because guess what? (laughs) When you're little, kids think that their parents know everything, right? Do you remember when you realized that your parents didn't know everything? Wasn't that a sad day? (laughs) But then it turns around and then you know everything and your parents know nothing, right? It flips, So, but if you want to honor the Lord, if you want, like it says in Ephesians 4, it says, children, obey your parents of the Lord for in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life upon the earth. So this is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. It's saying, if you honor your parents, if you always obey them, that will please the Lord and you will also live longer, you will have a blessed life, and things will go better for you. Okay? Right? Can I hear a shout out from the teenagers? Whose parents don't know anything? 
There was a story of this young lady who wanted to go on the mission field. She felt like the Lord was calling her to go on the mission field. And so she presented this idea to her dad, who was a believer. And he said, no, nope, I don't think you're supposed to do that. And so she was so torn up inside because she really believed the Lord was saying she was supposed to be a missionary. So she went to her missions director and she said, she said, I don't know what to do. I strongly believe the Lord's calling me to go on this mission, but my dad's saying, no, what do I do? And her missions director in, in all his wisdom said, obey your father, honor your father, honor what he says, honor his wishes, because if he's wrong, then that's going to be on him, but you're going to be protected. You're going to be covered. Kind of the same thing as, you know, her airbag will go off if they go in the ditch, right? So the next morning, this uh, young lady goes down to breakfast and her dad came down and he had this really perplexed look on his face. He goes, God was speaking to me all night. I am so sorry that I told you not to go. I really believe you need to do whatever the Lord's calling you to do. So he gave her his blessing to go on the mission field. So I just want to say in, in terms of wives submitting to their husbands, which doesn't say obey, but in the same way, laying down your life, laying, laying down your own agenda, giving yourself up, there is always going to be blessing attached to it. You will have good consequences as a result. When it says children obey, that is the term hypokuit. Hypokuo, which means to hearken to the voice of, to obey, or to be obedient to. Um, In this particular culture, children were considered property as well. The children were considered the father's property. Okay, so we're going to move on to fathers now. And it's not even Father's Day. So, it says, Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not aggravate antagonize, provoke to anger, or frustrate your children, or they will become discouraged, disheartened, dispirited, and broken. Fathers, you have such a huge role in the lives of your kids, and the most important thing you can do as their daddy is to know them, to know who they are, not to have this idea in mind of how you think they ought to be or, you know, living some dream that you had through, you know, through them. You are called to look at them, to know who they are and to encourage them to become, again, everything God has called them to be. That's the role of a dad. It's such a significant role. I I think it's interesting that This passage only addresses fathers. It doesn't address mothers. Because I think it probably comes a little easier for women to do this. But for dads, you know, you're, you're distracted. You know, you're struggling. You're trying to earn a living or whatever it is. Or you're, you know, you're, you're just in your own world sometimes, right? That'll really frustrate your children if you don't really know who they are and encourage them and teach them and train them and instruct them and walk with them. You know, love is really spelled T-I-M-E. You know, and, and they say the average father in America spends 37 seconds a day with their children. Kids are not going to grow up knowing who they are and, and who they're called to be or, or be trained or instructed. And I, I know right now I'm... 
I know that there are those of you who are so broken because you know that that's how you were raised. That your dad didn't see you. And I just want to say the spirit of the Lord is here. He is the father to the fatherless. He wants to heal those broken places in your heart. He wants to speak to you about who you are. He wants to instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. He wants to to define you and help you to become everything that he's created you to be. So if that if this is if this is speaking to you, I just want to say allow the Holy Spirit to come in and heal that brokenness. You know, in counseling, um, almost all counselors start with, tell me about your father. Tell me about your dad. Almost every counselor will start with that because that relationship is so significant. And for those of you who have lost your dad or never had relationship with them, I'm so sorry. The Lord can be your father. He can be your heavenly father. But dads, you still have a chance to make a difference in the lives of your kids. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Treat them the way that you wish your dad would have treated you. Remember, I I, I was telling you the story about um, the day that, that Eric's dad passed away. You know, that particular day, Eric was, he was sitting there, Eric was my, um, my late husband, um, he was sitting in his chair and all of us were gone and he sat there and he was weeping for about four hours because he was realizing that he did not have the childhood that God had originally intended. And of course, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. But he had to grieve Do you understand what I'm saying? He had to grieve the loss of what should have been, of how God designed fathers to interact with their kids. He really had to go deep and really mourn that. And I know there are some of you here and you need to grieve and you need to mourn the way things were because they were not the way God had originally designed it. And dads, I just want to encourage you right now, if if you, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, It's not too late. Go to your kids and humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. Just confess to them that you know you fell short in this area or you're falling short. And for those of you who have little kids, little toddlers or little babies, take this to heart. Know who they are. Recognize who they are and unwrap who they are so that they can become everything God's called them to be. You know, back in in the time when this was written, this was a revolutionary concept because dads were just, they could do whatever they wanted. They were boss. They were the king of their house. As a matter of fact, there's a term called um, patria potestis, which means the rule of the father or the power of the father. The dad could basically say whatever he wanted and that's what had to happen. The The kids were not considered of any value to their dads. They were basically just his property. So much so that if if a wife got pregnant and the husband said, if this baby that you have is a girl, I want you to murder it. The wife would have to do that. I mean, so much so that 
the children and, the, and wives would have to do whatever the dad said, no matter if it was wicked or illegal or anything. They, they had to do what the father said. Don't be that guy. Fathers, be the guy that is the biggest cheerleader for your kids, the biggest encourager. And trust that even if you didn't have that as a kid, God is going to give it to you. He's going to show you. He's going to teach you how you can be this for your kids. So moving on, we're going to talk about, about employees. Anybody that has a job, this, this is, here it was talking about slaves, so that makes a difference, but the principle is still the same. Slaves were owned by their masters, okay? It says, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're looking, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. If you're a Christian and you, are, you go to work every day and you're a time theft thief or you're a lazy employee or you don't show up very often or you're a terrible example of Christ, how often, how many people do you think are going to come to you and ask you about your faith or ask you about what you believe? You know, I've heard of so many stories of people who became, they determined they were going to become the best employee in the entire company. And that opened up the door for them to be able to share Jesus with the people that they worked with. Be the best employee in your entire company. Do it unto the Lord. Jesus is your CEO. No matter if your boss is a jerk or your boss is unfair or your boss is negligent or any of it, Do it unto the Lord. It says, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. It's your fear of the Lord. It's not your fear of your boss. Your boss doesn't hold your life in his hands. The Lord holds your life in his hands. But be the best employee at that company. And for everyone, it says in verse 23, work willingly at whatever you do. Whether this means that you, that you work outside of the home or whether you're a stay-at-home mommy or whether you're a housekeeper or whatever it is, do everything willingly as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I don't know about you, but this is convicting to me. You know, sometimes I, I miss this section. I miss, I miss that I am working unto the Lord. It says, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. You know there's only an inheritance that follows a death, right? You don't get an inheritance while the person is still alive. So guess who gets to die? We do. At work, die to yourself. Give up your own agenda. Give up your own rights and do it under the Lord. And trust that the Lord will promote you. The Lord will prosper you. The Lord will cover you. The Lord will open up opportunities for you to be able to minister to people who are broken and hurting and lost. It says, remember the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving is whom? It's Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done. For God has no favorites. Okay, again, King James Version says, God is no respecter of persons. It says in Romans 12, uh, verse 10, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Here's my challenge for you this week, okay? 
If you want to see the work of the Lord in your life, if you want to see the change, start to outdo one another in honor. Outdo one another in laying down your life and serving. And watch your relationships blossom at home and at work and among your neighbors. Decide that the one you're working for is Jesus and do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And what did Jesus do? Jesus got down, knelt down, and washed the feet of his disciples. He humbled himself and became human. And he served us even though he was the creator of the universe. And he loved us so much that he went to the cross and paid the price so that we could be reconciled with our maker. He's your boss. That's a good boss. He's a good employee. But I want to challenge you. Outdo each other. And now this is not a kind of thing where you're going to put a chart up in the house and give yourself stars, okay? You don't get to do that. And you don't get to tell the other person how they're not doing it, okay? Trust that God can speak to them. But outdo one another. I want to challenge you. This week, decide, you know what? I am going to be the best employee at work. I am going to be the best boss if you're a boss. Or I'm going to be the best wife. My goal in life is to make my husband the happiest man on the face of the earth. And for you husbands, I want to do that for my wife. I want to make her the happiest woman on the planet. Children, decide whether you agree or not. You're going to do what your parents are asking you as long as it's not sin. And employees, choose to set the standard. Set the example. You think you guys can do this? Anybody in? Anybody want to do this? Outdo another. I mean, it seems like this competition doesn't, you know, it's like, wow. The Bible actually encourages me to compete. Yes, it does. In this area, outdo one another in love and good deeds. Outdo one another in showing honor. Okay, so can you stand and can we commit ourselves to doing unto others as we want them to do unto us? To outdoing one another in, in honor and in love and service? If that's you, would you just lift your hands up? Just... We'll ask you, Lord, we come before you. Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, for your promise that you've given us these hidden treasures, Lord, that we can have healthy relationships. Lord, that we, we can honor one another above ourselves. Lord, and so we just ask you to give us what we need. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would fill us to overflowing. Lord, and that you would help us outdo one another. Lord, that we would lay down our lives for those we love and even those we don't love. God, we would lay down our lives. We would give up our rights and our agendas, trusting God that you are the one who's gonna prosper us and fulfill us and bless us and give us an abundant life. And we thank you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.